Hey mama, my name's Diana Ballard and welcome to the Mom Training Podcast. Prior to becoming a mom, I realized that if I wanted to continue living a life of passion, adventure, and fulfillment, I needed to learn from people who lived that way while having a family. In 2012, I started interviewing any mom that would talk to me. After hundreds of interviews, I found a pattern that the moms who struggled less all had similar foundational skill sets, mindsets, and habits. I started Mom Training, our live workshops, and the Mom Training podcast to continue my research process in a way that included other moms and families. My goal is to help other moms increase their joy, love, and fulfillment by creating an environment where we can learn and thrive together. Come learn the skill sets and strategies for a happy home, peaceful relationships, inspiration to be your best self, and more than enough time to do what you love while enjoying your family. Welcome to the Mom Training Community, where we learn, cry, and laugh together as we navigate motherhood. I'm Diana, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. Hey, ladies, welcome to the Mom Training Podcast. Today, we're going to dive into some real-life talk right now. So I'm sure if you've had little kids, you might have struggled at least once or twice with some sleeping struggles, whether it be your toddler wanting to sleep in your bed and that's not okay with you or you know them getting up a million times for snacks or drinks or whatever it may be an owie on their toe <laughs> I don't know right there's so many things that our toddlers can try to bring up or a baby that you know is up in the middle of the night for whatever reason they're hungry or they just need you they're scared whatever so I'm sure that you've struggled at least once or twice with some type of sleep struggle. Okay. So today we're going to dive in to talking to Eva Klein, which is uh, a friend of mine who is a sleep consultant and she just taught in mom training. So if you want to learn some really, you know, diving in deep tips, you definitely want to go back and listen to that workshop, but we're going to dive into my own life and my own struggles with my children right now and how I'm struggling to get sleep for multiple reasons. So Eva, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Diana. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our community here? Yeah. So my name is Eva Klein and I am a wife, a mom of three. We live in Toronto, uh, in Canada. And I, as a sleep consultant, help exhausted parents, usually the moms, <laughs> get their little ones consistently sleeping through the night like champs so that they can feel like functioning humans again. Um, and so I work with moms of little ones ages zero up to age five and got into this business completely by accident. Um, in a nutshell, I'm actually a lawyer by training and I worked for a few years as a lawyer. And when I had my second baby, that sort of accidentally catapulted me into the world of sleep consulting because she was that baby that would not sleep. She woke me every 90 minutes all night long <laughs> to the point where I literally thought I was going to just collapse and die and not be able to barely not be able to function in the slightest. I was not, I was not functioning in the slightest. And it forced me to open up all the sleep books, figure out what to do. And I made the situation on my own minimally better. Like literally it just sort of took the edge off things enough to give me 
some clarification, some some uh, clarity that I should, hey, try to launch a side business and become a sleep consultant, not because I'm going to leave law or anything, because, you know, only crazy people do that. I just wanted to do something fun on the side. But um, the business grew and it was way more fun than practicing law. And so one thing led to another. And uh, and here I am today. And so I've been doing this now for about eight years. I've helped over 2000 families get their little ones sleeping like champs. And, uh, and it's the best job in the world. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I love the tips that you share. I even after our last mom training workshop, I've applied some and have gotten some relief. <laughs> I'm like, Amazing. I need to figure out exactly how, like what combination needs to happen with these kids. But um, I, I love what you've shared. I think it's it's amazing. So I I just want to preface a little bit of where I'm at right now and why I'm interested in, in talking with you about my own situation. So mm-hmm. I have struggled with postpartum depression for the last year or so after my baby. Um, and I feel like I, my kids used to be on a really good routine and would go to sleep kind of easily. Like they might stay up in their room a little bit or whatever, but they wouldn't come out and they would, um, I'd have the evening to myself. Okay. But with the postpartum depression, I like, didn't have the mental strength even to, you know, tell them, no, they couldn't come out. So like things started to slide And then all of a sudden, like my kids aren't going to bed till 9 PM, you know, and they've come up multiple times. So I'm not getting any time to myself, Mm -hmm. baby getting up so many times in the night. Uh, I, you know, I have, I'm not breastfeeding her at night anymore. Like I've been able to, to break that for a couple weeks actually, Mm -hmm. but she's still waking up in the night. Uh, and so anyway, those are, those are some of my, my struggles with my, you know, boys that share a room that they continually get up and keep each other up till, Mm -hmm. you know, two hours after I've put them in bed and things like that. So anyway, that's kind of where I'm starting from right now. Yeah. And I remember during the mom training, you know, you asked me a great question. You said, you know, what would be my biggest piece of advice to you? around getting a better bedtime routine for your four kids because it can be so overwhelming trying to implement a routine for you know four little ones and and I know that my answer to you surprised surprised you a lot so you know I want to delve into this for a second because I think that it's important the answer that I would that I give to this type of question actually has nothing to do with the question itself but rather why it is so challenging and overwhelming for you to get better control over bedtime. And the reason is because you're overtired, you're sleep deprived, right? You haven't slept through the night in what, months, years, potentially. And sleep deprivation from your baby, how old is your baby now? She's 15 months. She's 15 months. So you haven't slept through the night for at least 15 months. Okay. That's a very, very, very long time. Let's not forget that sleep deprivation is used as a form of torture simply because it's effective, right? It works. And let so let's let's not try to you know downplay just how torturous being sleep deprived really is and it affects us in so many ways it it means that our brains are just not able to function optimally it puts us into this um basic survival mode right where you know all we are capable of doing if that is the 
absolute bare minimum to make sure that us and our kids are all alive <laughs> at the end yep. of the day. That's it. Alive with the basic necessities. Anything more than that, like a routine, some structure, you know, calmness around bedtime, a consistent early bedtime for your kids so that they're not overtired and wild and so that you can have time to yourself in the evening to recoup. That's not that's that's out the window. That just can't happen um, without being able to address the underlying problem here, which is the fact that it's when you are sleep deprived, it can feel so challenging and overwhelming, if not impossible to tackle something like that. So that's when I would then say, okay, well, what is your, your sleep deprived here? What is the number one, the main culprit of this sleep deprivation? And it sounds like it's your baby. Right. So yeah. then from there, that's when I would say, let's get this baby of your sleeping like a champ. Let's hyper focus and hone in on your baby specifically so that we can we can remove a huge weight off of your shoulders, a huge culprit of I think all the problems that, you know, you're probably having around bedtime and then with PPD in general. I mean, we we know that. PPD and sleep deprivation go hand in hand, right? That sleep deprivation causes all kinds of concerns when it comes to mental health, not just with new moms. I mean, with anyone as a whole, you know, you go to, if, if any human is struggling with anything to do with their mental health and they're going to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, an MSW of any kind, one of the main things, one of the first questions they're going to be asking you about is your sleep. And if sleep is a challenge, then they're going to help you get that on track, right? Because nobody is able to function optimally without good quality sleep. So that needs to be, I think, the very first thing that we do. And I, I can... I can promise you that when we get that 15 month old of yours consistently sleeping through the night, which she is perfectly capable of doing, it's going to be a game changer for you because suddenly you're going to feel capable again <laughs> to be able to tackle uh, getting your three other kids to bed. Suddenly getting some routines and structure back on track is not going to feel so overwhelming because I remember you saying that it wasn't a big struggle for you when you're not sleep deprived. Like you yep. are a naturally, you know, routine based being. Some people do struggle with routine on a good day and that just getting them sleeping through the night means that they can actually learn. But it sounds like this is something that comes fairly naturally to you that with some proper sleep in your system, you'll be able to actually navigate it and get it all under control. Do well, you get what I mean? when, when I'm sleep deprived, I like struggle to get anything done and it's really frustrating. Like, yeah. be, like I, I love to work. I love to like be into things and creative and stuff, but like that part of your brain just doesn't work when you're sleep deprived and it no. really sucks. It really yeah. does. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's delve in and, and talk about this 15 month old. So, um, so tell me, is she in sleeping in your room or is she, does she have her own room? So she shares a room with her seven-year-old sister. So we have our two girls in one room and then the two boys in another room. 
Okay. So, right. so, um, and we, we do have the blackout curtains. We have the awesome. sound machine, which since our workshop, I have been turning off the light that goes with that. So it makes it dark in there. And I feel like that's awesome. been helping. Um, so yeah, she used to be in our closet though, like up okay. to like a month ago. And, um, just because we created a new office and so we could move, move things around. Um, so that was one of the first steps. Cause I've known this was a concern and a need for a long time. Yeah. So she's out of our room now. Like we've tried to create the environment that she needs for sleeping. Um, since our workshop, we've, I've now been giving her, um, bread, like a piece of bread before she goes to bed, um, dressing her in warmer clothes, not breastfeeding her anymore. Man, I'm like trying everything. I'm like, what do you need? Awesome. Let's try to take care of this. So, but she still sometimes just wakes up in the middle of the night and just is like, mommy, mommy. Yeah. And like she just wants to be held. And so that's kind yes. of where we're at right now of like, Got what do I do in those moments? Cause I don't want to ignore her. She's calling for me. So like, you know, cause sometimes I've gone in there and she's either thrown up or she's poopy or like, you mm -hmm. know, something like that. So I don't want to ignore sure. her, but like, how do I deal with that situation better? So she doesn't want to like stay up for an hour in the middle of the night. Yeah, no, that that's no fun. So, you know, listen, and what I would, what I would say is when it comes to the fact that you've already made all these big, important changes, that's awesome. Um, don't be discouraged by the fact that you might not be seeing any changes to her sleep patterns yet. It okay. doesn't mean that you try doing this and try doing that and it didn't work. Because um, I hear people say that all the time. Oh, I tried putting up blackout blinds and it didn't make a difference. I tried introducing a white noise machine. It didn't make a difference. Here's how you want to think of it is with a situation like this, you know, a 15 month old waking up multiple times a night, there's almost always going to be a multitude of things that need to be addressed simultaneously. So it's not just a matter of, oh, just do this and just do that. And then boom, everything will be resolved. Rather, it's sort of like a puzzle where let's say there are 10 puzzle pieces, you know, there's 10 things that need to be changed. So there's 10 puzzle pieces that need to be addressed here. And so far, maybe you've addressed four or five of them, right? So we're on the right track, but we still got to address those other five. There's still some other, you know, puzzle pieces here that haven't been addressed. So I'm excited to be able to, to delve into this in more detail so that we can make sure that we're addressing everything simultaneously so that she has no choice but to learn how to sleep through the night like a champ. Because I'm not convinced that you've got yourself a non-sleeping alien child. Um, that, you know, it's just because the stars haven't aligned and that you have to wait out, wait it out for that magical day to arrive you do not have to wait it out if you do not want it if you don't want to be waiting it out if you want to get her sleeping you know now in the near future we can jump in and get this all resolved now before we dive in and talk through i guess you know the behavioral side of things i'll just briefly address the room sharing situation because i know that a lot of parents might be hesitant to do this type of work knowing that their little one is going to wake up at night and potentially wake up their sibling who they're either room sharing with or who who is shares a wall with them and is in the room right next door um what i would say given that your seven-year-old is in a room with her you might want to temporarily move her to another room so that we limit the amount of disruptions 
that happen to her sleep as much as we can. Recognizing, of course, that this is a very short term situation here. You know, that this is not one of these things that takes forever to resolve. Thank God for that. And but in order to make sure that this is actually fixable, we need to be able to execute a plan that we don't pause in the middle of the night because, oh, shoot, your seven year old's waking up. So now we got to, you know, abort and and, you know, go back to our old ways. We're not going to be able to make any changes like that. So I would definitely figure out what makes the most amount of sense logistically in terms of temporarily relocating her for sleep while we get, you know, your baby sleeping like a champ. Um, now, tell me what her daytime schedule looks like. So when is she usually up for the day? When does she usually nap? How long does she nap for? And then when do you have her in the crib for the night? So we, and I think this might be part of the problem. Um, so she wakes up 630 in the morning. Okay. And then, uh, we've been trying to figure out between one and two naps because she, she would take two naps one day and then the next day she would skip one. And then, you know, so I've been trying to figure out like when her best sleeping time is. So over the last month, I, what I've kind of worked out is that we go six 30 and then we go to the gym in the morning and then I try to make it back so she can be in bed at 10 30. Cause she, what I noticed is she kept falling asleep halfway through the drive home from mm -hmm. the gym around 1030. And so that's where I was like, okay, maybe that's when she wants to nap, you know, cause it was 930 before and then one in the afternoon, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's been kind of my goal is making sure that she can be back in her bed at 1030. And then, um, you know, she'll sleep until about 1230. And then that's like when I feed her lunch, like I give her a snack, like she eats a cracker, like on the way home from the gym. And then, um, you know, I can just put her right in bed. So a lot of times right now, I've actually been like taking her out of her car seat. Like, you know, she'll fall asleep in between the 1015, 1030 thing on the way home. And, mm -hmm. and then luckily she'll go on my shoulder and I can just lay her right down and she'll sleep until 1230. So that's okay. kind of when she's doing with that. And I have tried to figure out if like I've been trying to put her down at one 30 and then, at, you know, two and then two 30, just kind of experimenting if she still needed a second nap, but she has never successfully gone down with that. This isn't just me like trying to experiment what the heck mm -hmm. she needs. Yeah. Um, and then I think one of our main problems is, is she does not have a set bedtime. Uh -huh. Um, whether that be cause we're out doing something, which is hard. She's child number four and my kids are older. So like, sometimes we go out like friends invite us out or whatever. And so sometimes she gets strung out until whenever we get home. Mm -hmm. Um, but that isn't as often. And so I just think some, I just need to figure out a good bedtime for her. Got um, because so to clarify, she's consistently yeah. napping 1030 to 1230 and then yes. is up from 1230 till bedtime. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you my thoughts in a second, but okay. you, I, I interrupted you. So keep going. Okay. No, so <laughs> I've been trying to get her in bed by 730. Mm -hmm. uh, the only problem with that is, is we live in a really small house. And so by that time, especially now in the winter, everyone's inside and still pretty active. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so like there's some nights where she'll go down at 630 or 7 or 730, but I've at least tried to get her in by 730. But then like mm -hmm. having the other kids get ready for bed in the bathroom right next to where her crib is on the other wall yeah. and things like that. She ends up getting woken up a lot of times. And so yeah. that's been kind of that's been kind of a struggle. Um yeah. 
with that. But yeah, I'm totally open to her going to bed earlier. It's just, I, I haven't put that piece together yet of like, oh, this is important. So I right. need to focus on that. Like, so right. anyway, that's where okay. I feel like there's some cloudy, like, I don't know what to do 100%. exactly with bedtime. And, and just so, just so I'm clear, how old are your three older ones? So I have seven, five, three, and one. Okay. So they're, they're all little. Yeah. Yep, they're <laughs> In all other little. words, they're not, it's not a, a 13 year old that's waking yeah. up your one year old and you're like, come on, man. Like, yeah, it's like them fighting over the toothpaste or like yeah. wanting to stand in front of the mirror on the sink, like that yeah. kind of stuff that is loud or slamming yes. the sink, you know, different right. things like that. So yes, I, I hear all of that. Okay. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you in a nutshell, what I, what I think is going on here scheduling wise. Okay. And that is that I am almost positive that you have a baby that needs to nap twice, not once. Okay. And that on this schedule, she's probably going to bed very overtired, whether or not she's going to bed for 6.30 or 7 or 7.30 or 8. Um, I think she's going to be very overtired. And the reason for this is because are you familiar with the term wake window or wake period? Does that well, like meaning like the the time that they are awake in between their sleeping times? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like the whole idea in a nutshell is that a, a wake window describes the amount of time that a baby of any age can be up for before they begin to get tired and need to go back to sleep. So on this schedule where she's napping from 1030 until 1230, and then let's say you have her down for the night for 630, you know, at the, the earliest, that's a six hour wake window. And okay. for a 15 month old, I can tell you with basically a hundred percent certainty that it's, it's way, way, way too big for her. Uh, and so and I think the reason why it's it's um, the the current schedule. Let me let me take a step back here. So why do I think that you have a two nap baby and not a one nap baby? Well, there's usually only one right answer. You know, when most babies are developmentally ready to go down to a one nap schedule, somewhere between 15 and 18 months. But what's important for me to emphasize is that. A baby who needs one nap but is forced onto two naps is not going to be a happy camper. It's not going to work. And then on the flip side, if you have a baby that needs two naps and we're forcing them onto one nap, it's going to be equally disastrous. So the fact that I'm seeing here that she's up for the day around 6.30 usually and that she is falling asleep around you know, 10, 10, 15, 10.30, that tells me that she needs that nap in the morning, right? And so if she needs that nap in the morning, we can't be getting rid of it, right? Because she she can't be up for six hours before bed. She's going to be overtired. And that overtiredness from being up from 1230 all the way until bedtime can single-handedly cause difficulty falling asleep. It can cause night wakings. It can cause early rising. It can cause all three if you hit the jackpot. Um, but at the end of the day, I want you to know that this exact scenario where the baby takes a really long nap in the morning and refuses to nap again in the afternoon, making the parents think, oh, she must be ready for a one nap schedule is so common. It's okay. so common. But at the same time, it gets you into this very yicky overtired schedule here. And so rather than letting her nap for two hours in the morning and then 
have her up from 1230 all the way until bedtime, my recommendation would be to try capping the duration of nap one at, let's say, an hour. So that this way, she will be tired enough. There's going to be enough sleep pressure for her to be able to nap again in the afternoon at the right time. Because you see, at this age, they only need about two and a half hours worth of daytime sleep to begin with. So if she's sleeping a full two hours in the morning, it's almost like she used up all of her nap totals, right? It's like she's done napping, even though she does need to nap again, because the alternative is being up from 1230 onwards, which we know is not going to work. And so at this age, it's very, very common to need to cap the duration of that nap at either an hour or sometimes even 45 minutes. Like I remember when my son, my youngest, he's now four, but I remember when he was in this age range, I'll tell you what his schedule was like. So he was waking up also between somewhere between 630 and seven. And then his first nap would go from about 10 until 11 a.m. So I would wake him up by 11 o'clock to make sure that that nap only went an hour. And then from there, I kept him up in terms of his wake window. So the amount of time that he needed before being ready to go back to sleep, that was a four hour wake window. Okay. Right. So you're describing the afternoon nap happening around one, around two. She's probably also fighting that afternoon nap because it's not it's too soon. She hasn't been up for long enough, given her age. So with my son, he would need to be up a full four hours to then be able to pull off this two nap schedule. So he would go down for his afternoon nap around three, sleep until four, you know, let's say 430 and then go down for the night for eight o'clock. And what what this type of schedule, you'll you'll probably have to experiment and play around with it. But the idea here is that she's getting in a little bit more daytime sleep with this type of schedule. So an hour in the morning, an hour and a half in the afternoon. So you're getting in two and a half hours versus two. But I think what's much more meaningful than just the extra 30 minutes of sleep is the fact that she's not gonna be up from noon or 1230 until bedtime, which happens to be a recipe for disaster just by itself. Do you get what I mean? Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. So I guess here's my question. So like some mornings, like, um, like this morning I got back at 1040 because I had to go pick up groceries, right. Okay. And get gas. And so like after the gym that I had to do those couple things. So I got back a little later. So I guess my question is, is if she goes down at 1040, do I wake her up at 1140 or do I still wake her up at 1130? You know, where she normally would be, if I put her down at 1030, woke her up at 1130, like, do you shift it or do you continue to keep the wake up time that you normally have? I have, a, I have a smart alecky answer for you. And the answer <laughs> is get groceries and gas after her nap. Okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself, but here's, here's the thing. Um, I promise you guys, I'm, I'm not a jerk in real life. I promise. I just couldn't. I no, couldn't help that's, myself. that's reality though. Like yeah. if I really am wanting to like hyper-focus on for sure sleep, is that like you see, here's don't the miss problem. her nap <laughs> yeah because you see here's the problem if she's up 
from is she was up at 6 30 this morning and then we don't get her down for that first nap until 10 40 she's probably going to be overtired at that point as well so there's two problems that are going to emerge so number one is that she might end up really fighting that morning nap um and struggle to go down for it and so you know that'll end up giving getting you into a whole very yicky vicious cycle just off the bat like you know, just right then and there and end up giving you a really crappy nap or or skipping it completely because she's just so overtired. So, you know, the, the key here is not to die by a nap schedule. It's to live with the nap schedule. Okay. So, you know, the, the idea here is not that you don't have a life and that you are housebound forever uh, and, you know, miserable at home doing nothing. No, no, no. Go to the gym. The gym is good for you. If you enjoy it and, and it's your self-care, 100% go to the gym. That being said, we do want to make sure that your gym outing revolves around her nap times so that we can have our cake and eat it too. Yep. Right. That's the idea. Because if she is up for too long before that nap, then she could get easily get overtired, fight the nap, skip it, and then give you really crappy naps throughout the rest of the day. The whole day gets thrown off and then the night can get thrown off as a result as well. Okay. So, so if I have her sleep from 1030 and wake her up at 1130, then you say just experiment with like, is it three, like is the 330 nap too late? You know, like that's, that's yeah, what I'm trying to so like know a 3.30, like. Well, cause you see, this is, this is where, this is where the second problem comes in, right? You know, when that morning nap happens too late, then yes, it is going to bump the timing of that second nap because if she wakes up from nap one, if she sleeps from, let's say 1030 till 1130, and then you try getting her down for nap two at 230, there is a very high likelihood she's going to fight it and refuse mm -hmm. it because she's only been up for three hours, yeah. right? Versus four hours at this age is much more age appropriate. Now, some babies might need three and a half hours. Some might need three hours and 45 minutes. Look, obviously none of this is an exact science. None of this is like a set in stone schedule by any means. You know, my approach is always do what works for the baby, right? But the reality is that there are trends, right? And I can say this confidently, having worked with, you know, well over 2,000 families, that when a 15-month-old needs two naps, which is usually the case, um, there's not typically a massive astronomical difference between what one 15-month-old schedule looks like and works versus another 15 month old's schedule looks like and works. And works is the important one here because there might be lots of different looking schedules out there, but they don't always work, right? They don't always lead to, you know, a, a wonderful 11 hour consistent night's sleep here. So, um, so usually when we're on a two nap schedule at this age, that first wake window of the day is typically in the three to three and a half hour mark at the most. So that means that if she's up by 630, she's likely going to be tired for that first nap somewhere between 930 and 10. Likely. 
So maybe that means, so, you know, for some people it means, but the second wake window might be bigger. So it might mean that, you know, doing work in the morning and then going to the gym in the afternoon or, you know, making sure to get to the gym earlier, you know, rush out the door to get there on time so that you can get her back on time, um, you know, for that, for that first nap, right? So this way we can, and then on top of that, it means that you have that much more, you know, you'll have you'll have those consistent naps to be able to look forward to during the day, which are crucial for you, for any mom for that matter, to be able to um, rejuvenate, right? Refill up their tank. You know, nap nap time is very, very sacred around here. So we right. we take we take naps very, very seriously. and I, I definitely um, practice what I preach. So that's how I would be addressing that. When I'm hearing about a baby waking up at six thirty and napping at ten thirty, it's probably too late. And so rather than um bumping, worrying about nap two getting too late, which is valid, I would just instead make sure that nap one is happening earlier enough. Hey, and I can adjust my gym schedule a little bit because I, uh, I usually go for about 90 minutes and kid care only starts at eight. And so I've okay. usually been going from eight 15 to nine 45, but oh, I can bump it to eight okay. and then, you know, that'd go till nine 30. Yeah. And then I could get home and maybe get her in by 10, you know? Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, mm -hmm. like I will definitely adjust that and, um, try the hour thing and the, yeah. the second nap. And then as you're saying, like an 11 hour sleep thing, like if I got her in bed at 730, then she could sleep until 630 because I, yeah, I usually get my kids up I, between 630 and seven. So, yeah, I mean, usually, you know, the when when, when we're talking about that bedtime wake window being too big, um, you know, it being six to seven hours. On, on the other hand, what we're usually looking at at this age is a bedtime wake window that is somewhere between three and a half to four hours. So you're going to want to experiment and see sort of what seems to be her sweet spot. Um, you know, is she, if she's undertired by that three and a half hour mark is just really not ready for bed, try three hours, 45 minutes, try four hours. Um, but on this type of schedule where that morning nap isn't happening at 9.30, it's happening closer to 10, it probably just means that you'll be bumping everything a little bit later, which is okay. It just means that you know, I'm just thinking out loud here. So if nap one goes from, let's say 10 to 11, and then nap two goes three to 430, then bedtime is going to likely be somewhere in the like eight to 815 timeframe. But then what it might do is it might actually force your morning wake time a little bit later, which will right. help, right? That'll really help for, you know, for you to be able to, you know, get to be at the gym for either, you know, eight to nine 30 or, you know, eight 15 to nine 45 and not have nap one go so late. If she could, if we could force her morning wake time closer to seven, then that would make this all work. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So that's what I mean, where I say like, there is absolutely room to be able to, you know, tweak and manipulate the schedule a little bit within reason, of course, um, so that other aspects of our lives can work. So we can really have our cake and eat it too. Okay. Well, I'm excited to go and apply these things. I, yeah, this, I, I feel like she's close, 
But I think the mm-hmm. scheduling with the naps and the bedtime is like a major yeah. piece that we were missing because she has totally. been overtired. And so I'm going to try in the afternoon to kind of notice like when she starts to get really upset and like, yeah, tell that she's tired, you know, so. like by five, six o'clock is where she starts to fall apart. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Because if she can only be up you know, three and a half to maybe four hours. She's had a really big nap. So maybe she can do, you know, four hours, but there isn't enough sleep pressure for her to take a second nap. So instead she's just up, but then by the five to six hour mark, she's just done. Then yeah, yeah, that what, what goes on during the day directly impacts what happens at night. Like that's the, the main takeaway point when it comes to this very big puzzle piece here regarding her schedule is that we can't tackle what's happening at night without a addressing this piece first, because if we attempt to sleep train an overtired baby, a toddler, a preschooler of any age, it's a crapshoot at best. Literally, that's like best case scenario is it's a coin toss in terms of what's going to happen. More realistically, it could set you up for like one of those god awful stories of babies crying for hours on end, which, by the way, should never happen. Like when a sleep plan is executed, not just consistently, but also correctly, and it's complete and it's addressing everything that we're talking about. We haven't even been, we haven't even started addressing, you know, bedtime and night wakings yet, right? We're just addressing during the day. But if we don't address that big puzzle piece and we just, you know, jump to the front of the line here and just skip straight into sleep training, it could backfire majorly in the form of one of those god awful night nightmarish stories of, oh yeah, my kid cried for hours on end. That should never happen. When it's done properly, that should absolutely be avoided, regardless of how strong-willed your little one might be, regardless of how old they might be, regardless of what kind of approach you're using. It really should not happen. So making these tweaks, these important tweaks to her schedule before exploring any kind of sleep training at bedtime and nighttime, I would say is essential here. Okay. Well, and, and you I can't even see some improvements at nighttime just by addressing this puzzle piece. There's obviously yeah. no guarantees because we're still not done. The puzzle's not done, but it's a really, really big piece that sometimes we see improvements and that's always really fun and very fulfilling. Yeah. And we have been working. So she's able to go lay down awake. I know that's definitely something that, so like, you know, we can just get her ready for bed and then she'll actually want to go in her bed and give her her puppy and her blankie and she's she's all happy. Right. Um, so yeah, we've definitely been doing pieces of it, but you're right. It is like the whole package you have to kind of address and look at all the different aspects. And so, and honestly, like without talking to someone who is trained in, in like sleeping for children, like you wouldn't think about that kind of thing of like, Oh, like, you know, they, I just put them down for a nap when they're tired. You know, I hear that all the time from moms, Or, you know, we just skipped it today because we couldn't, you know, Um, and that's just like, oh, that's just what we have to do. But then they're also struggling other times. And that's just kind of we don't think about that when you're not right know, trained in it, you know? Yeah, because it's not common sense. Right. And I feel like there is so much guilt and shame that moms feel around not knowing this. Right. And my response to that is. Should I feel like a terrible homeowner when my toilet breaks and I call a plumber 
rather than spending 37 hours on YouTube fixing the toilet myself, trying to fix the toilet myself. No, I don't feel there's no there's no shame around that. Oh, you should just know how to fix your toilet, right? Because your house is important to you, right? Your house is your most valuable um, financial asset, right? So how could you not know how to fix a really important part of your house when it's broken? You need to go and call a plumber? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> we all call plumbers, right? And there is zero shame around that, despite the fact that we love our homes, right? And our homes are very valuable to us. Our babies, our children are, are, are they're, they're by far the most valuable thing that we have, of course. So, you know, I'm not trying to equate the two, but there shouldn't be any amount of shame around not knowing about sleep hygiene and healthy sleep habits for babies and toddlers and preschoolers because it's not common sense. Just like fixing a toilet is not common sense, regardless of how much you like your house, right? So you you love your kids dearly. Um, there's no, there is this misconception that like you should just use your mom gut and that your mommy intuition will guide you. Mom intuition is always very important. And I'm not saying to, you know, that it counts for nothing here, but at the same time, this is sleep science, right? This is evidence-based stuff, stuff that is not common sense, stuff that is not, doesn't come in that non-existent baby manual that, you know, you get <laughs> when you, when you have a baby. And so nobody is expected to know how to address this sort of thing um, without having learned it and studied it and lived it day in and day out, you know, helping people do this. So take that mom guilt and take that mom shame and literally chuck it out the window around this. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. So where, where could people find your information and how to work with you? I know you have a handful of different options, but like if someone else was wanting to, like, this was very helpful to me. I'm going to go back and listen to it again implement things, talk to my husband about it, adjust schedules, because it really, like, it affects me so much to not sleep. Mm -hmm. And it does affect her too. She can yeah. be the Miss Grumpy Pants, you know, like five or six, like you're saying, and like, why are you so upset? You know, yeah. um, yeah. you know, you're, you're tired. Why don't you go to sleep? You know, different things like that. So it's like, yeah. um, it, you know, I, I do appreciate you sharing your tips with that because, like it's stuff I wouldn't have thought of that affected it so bad. Like, well, when you're tired, mm -hmm. you sleep, you know, right. it's not like, oh, well, they're, they would sleep more and better if they had more rest at the right times, you know? Oh, right. okay. Like it's like an yeah. equation, you know, that I need to figure exactly. out instead of it just being like this free flowing thing. Right. Yes. Um, so Let's yeah, not tell forget us where... that oh, there are millions of adults who struggle with insomnia. Yeah. They're tired. They want to sleep, right? And so this whole notion of your baby will sleep when they're tired, your baby will sleep through the night when they're ready. Well, is the 40-year-old down the street developmentally ready to sleep through the night yet? Because <laughs> if he's struggling with insomnia, I'd say he is, but there's obviously much more to it. The difference is that getting babies and toddlers and preschoolers to sleep through the night is a heck of a lot easier yeah. than tackling ins insomnia with adults. That's above my pay grade. That one I, I refer out for. But um, here, this is as challenging as it is. The 
the solutions that we need to implement to get you from from point A to point B um, can be implemented and typically get us fantastic, amazing, like life-changing results in a fairly short period of time. So if people want to work with me, um, you can head to my website at mysleepingbaby.com. Um, I'm also on uh, social. I'm on Instagram at mysleepingbaby. I'm on Facebook at mysleepingbaby. I've got a free Facebook community group. Um, and I recently joined TikTok as well. This is like very, very new, you know, literally downloaded the app two weeks ago. Like that's how, <laughs> uh, that's how new it is. And I have a free masterclass that you can watch today that takes you through step-by-step step the three biggest pieces of advice that I give exhausted moms to help their little ones learn to sleep straight through the night consistently so they can feel like functioning humans. And then I also take you through step-by-step step the method that I have used to help over 2,000 families get there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eva, for um, consulting me right now and, and helping me get my baby to sleep because it really is the most important piece for me right now to feel better, take better care of myself, and also help you know, her to be happy too. So I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'm excited that your, your listeners are able to get, you know, a taste of, um, what this, what, what working with me in any way, shape or form looks like, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in my sleep Bible group coaching program, this is the overall approach, right? It's very baby focused, very child focused and very family focused, you know, making everything work for your little one as well as you. Awesome. Okay, ladies, I hope you're able to pull some tips from this and realize how important it is for you and your child to sleep so that everyone can feel better and be happy. So go to mysleepingbaby.com and check out what Eva has. Uh, she has some wonderful resources that can help you and your baby get sleeping better throughout the night. And we'll see you next Tuesday on the Mom Training Podcast. Hey mama, thank you so much for hanging out with me and letting me be a part of your day. If you'd like to see how I apply some things that we talk about, tips, some mom humor, or just to connect deeper, Follow me on Instagram at Diana Ballard Live. If this episode or any episode was helpful for you, please consider leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. It's literally the lifeblood for a podcaster, and it helps me so much. If you'd like to learn more about me or mom training and how we can help you implement more things you learn here on the Mom Training Podcast to make life flow smoother, to be more fulfilled, and create and protect what you love, head to dianaballard.com. There are free downloads, online programs, our mom training membership with our monthly workshops, and other resources to help you create the life you want. Thanks for tuning in. Know I'm always rooting for you and believing you. I am Diana Ballard, and this is the Mom Training Podcast.